0: Welcome to the Beyond Birth Podcast. Join us each week as we take the conversation of motherhood beyond birth. I'm your co-host Liz Winters, a nutritional therapy practitioner, certified pre and postnatal coach and mama. I'm joined by my friend and co-host Jenny Anderson, yoga teacher, full spectrum doula and mama. Our hope is to inspire, educate and empower women as they navigate pregnancy, postpartum and parenthood with evidence-based guidance, informative interviews and hopefully entertaining anecdotes From our perspectives as moms, entrepreneurs, and birth professionals. While you're listening, please keep in mind that the information on this podcast is for general purposes only and should not be considered medical advice. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another episode of the Beyond Birth Podcast. Liz here, and I am sitting down with my good friend, Emily Johnson. She's a holistic nutritionist. We're going to talk all about first foods for kiddos today. Emily, welcome to the show. Oh, Oh, thanks, Liz. I'm so
1: excited to be on the show. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes, we are so excited to have you here. Um, Emily and I are both in Portland, though we met via the Instagrams, and you say social media drives us apart, but I think it's bringing us all together. (laughs) For sure. I want to just give people a little bit of your background. She is the holistic nutrition, nutritionist behind Village Nutrition Co. Um, Emily earned her master's degree in nutrition from NUNM in 2016 and is passionate about incorporating whole foods for whole family wellness. Emily specializes in pediatric nutrition, including first food introductions, which is what we're talking about today, food allergies, and picky eating habits, which I know we also had some questions about. Emily lives in Portland, Oregon with her husband, three-year-old daughter, one-year-old son, and energetic pup. She loves spending time with her family outdoors and cooking, eating, researching, and talking about food and how it nourishes us uniquely. So you can reach out to Emily to learn more about how Village Nutrition Co. can partner with your family, and we'll definitely talk about that as well. I'm just so excited you're here. Me too. First food is such a loaded topic.
1: It really is. I feel like it's one that kind of gets a lot of parents freaking out into this little paralysis I know I when I was entering this phase with my daughter, I was like so hesitant th- to start that she actually was the one that like initiated it um, at a 4th of July party. Um, my husband was like chatting and holding her and I like look over at them and he's holding watermelon in one hand and <laughs> she just does a nosedive for the watermelon and there you go. First taste of food for my older daughter, so.
0: That's awesome. Will you actually, will you dive into that a little bit more, how you introduced food with your, with your kids and if it changed from, cause you have a three-year-old and a one-year-old and you know, uh, there's all that, that joke about like the second kid, like you just don't care anymore. And it's not that you don't care, but you're a lot yeah. more relaxed, right? You have some parenting under your belt. Has that impacted how you have um, done first food introductions? It has, yeah.
1: And definitely, oh, I was like night and day more relaxed. And sometimes I wonder how much like that influenced their different eating styles. But the older they get, I think it was more kind of their personalities that impacted their reaction to first foods. But with my daughter, I was fresh out of nutrition school. So we actually got pregnant while I was still in school. It wasn't completely planned. And so I definitely wanted to stay home with her for the first year. So I was like, I'm just gonna run with this and learn as much as I can beyond what I learned at school about, you know, infant nutrition and um, kids nutrition. So that's kind of what I did. It was my little assignment. And um, we had a great time. She we waited till she was six months old. And um, we'll touch on that a little bit more as to why we waited till then. But that was right around August for her. And we kind of dove right in. Um, I was pretty apprehensive with Oh, like, I I feel like there's like, Oh, what's the first thing you gave her? Like, that's what everyone wants to ask. It's like, Okay, what do I start with? And I think I got hung up with that too. Hence the fourth of July thing. Um, But honestly, after the watermelon, I feel like that kind of just lowered my guard. And then I was like, okay, this can be fun. Like, so I don't know. She took really well to it. We did, um, a baby led weaning style with her. Um, but she was like, so cautious about it, like, and very, very neat. Like, so she liked to hold the spoon sometimes and she liked to not always have something that was super messy. And, and that's very much still her to this day. Like she would not touch her first birthday cake until I gave her a spoon, so.
0: Oh my gosh, that's too funny. <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't want this all so, over my face. <laughs> uh, she still will not even play in the sand because it's too messy for her, so.
0: That's so funny how you can see that like little bit of personality come out. Like even when they're so young, like at six, month o- six months old and like seeing that now as a three-year-old, like that's, it's just, I think it's so yeah, funny.
1: Yeah, it's it's so fun. And I think that introducing food is just another opportunity for you to connect with your baby and learn more about them and their preferences and also introduce them to your family and the way that you cook and the way that you eat and the way that you, you know, enjoy food together. Like it can be something that's really meaningful and doesn't have to be something that's super stressful. So I feel like that was a little bit more of my posture going into it with my son. Um, he was, uh, born premature. So we were a little like, Oh, like when, when are we going to do this? And time just flies when you have kids, multiple kids. So it just sort of happened all of a sudden that he was, he reached all the marks that I was waiting for, like interest in food. And we'll go over more signs of readiness in a bit, but he was definitely showing signs that he wanted to eat. He's a pretty big boy and was nursing all the time. So I was like, okay, let's just, let's do this. And, um, he ended up like having totally different preferences than my daughter, like you know, smearing like sweet sweet potato all over his high chair.
0: Get it yeah. everywhere.
1: <laughs> Double fisting like meatballs. And he was just like all into it and pretty much hasn't um slowed down since. So yeah. Love that. <laughs> he Yeah, uh, out eats his sister who's two years older than him and they are currently two pounds apart. So
0: Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I remember introducing food to Edith for the first time, and I think I was relatively so fresh. Yeah, I was relatively fresh out of my nutrition program as well. I think I've been out for like a year, and I by any means did not specialize in infant nutrition, but I was like very gung ho about like what is this going to oh, look totally. like, yeah. and like you were saying, there's so much anxiety around it. Like, what's that first food going to be? Like, how are we going to do this baby led weaning versus you know making the purees and doing all this other stuff, and I. <laughs> Week we started off with egg yolk. And I was just really excited to like share food with her and also take some of the stress off of nursing. So like food was big freedom for me. Um, for her to eat food um, was a huge freedom (laughs) for me. Um and but but I remember having like that same anxiety about like, oh my God, she's eating strawberries and we haven't introduced strawberries yet. And then the nanny had her strawberries or something. And I was like, I, I don't know how she reacts to like high histamine foods. And the nanny's like, what the hell is a high histamine food? Like, like nobody, nobody stresses about these things unless you're me. And <laughs> it was, I, I'm excited to have more of this conversation with you today because I feel like you can kind of relieve some of that pressure that we put on ourselves. Cause I feel like oh, there's totally. so much information out there. Um, yeah.
1: I usually find like, if I'm interacting with a parent in this stage, they like fall on one extreme or the other typically. So it's the mom like you that is maybe spent like a little bit too much time on Google or, you know, is like, Oh, baby led weaning or this, or someone will comment to me who has a three month old who's saying, Oh, we're definitely doing baby led weaning or, you know, like very nitty gritty questions, like maybe jumping the gun a little. And then there's like the other side of the coin where there's families who relying exclusively on what their pediatrician is telling them. Some of which, you know, there's some really great pediatricians out there, especially in Portland, but some pediatricians haven't had a nutrition course since they were in school and it was maybe, you know, one or two courses. So, um, and the recommendations have definitely changed since they were probably in school too. So um, the whole start at four months with rice cereal thing isn't necessarily the norm or even best case scenario anymore, but I feel like Parents will either fall on, oh, my pediatrician said I'm going to have to do this, so that's what I'm going to do, or the kind of alternative, I'm going to
0: overthink this, you know, kind of mentality. But- I definitely fall into the overthink camp. camp. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's really funny. We have this conversation about prenatal nutrition a lot where, you know, the recommendations that you're getting maybe in your OB or your midwife's office aren't necessarily what is the current research And Mm -hmm. evidence is suggesting is best. And that can be really troublesome because this is, you know, this is your trusted person to talk to and go to, but it can take upwards of 17 years to start something to get from research into actual clinical practice and then even longer to change into like hospital or, you know, clinical policy. So it's just, it's totally well, and to take into consideration
1: we're all told to like be your own advocates, but as like a pregnant woman or, you know, a woman who's sleep deprived with a six month old, four month old, like f- synthesizing all that research for yourself can be really hard also, you know? So, and a lot of like stress can just come from that, you know, burden of feeling like you need
0: to do that, so. Yeah, and I wonder how many people are now Googling what a histamine, really like a high histamine food <laughs> well, <it> is now.
1: <laughs> I, I, a couple weeks ago who, she was very like nervous about the whole thing. So I kind of like, I I walked her through it and everything to look for. And I was like, I don't think you're going to like encounter any of these like big, you know, she was so worried about it. And then her daughter did have a histamine reaction. So I was kind of like, Oh, you know, these things still happen. Yeah.
0: That's funny. Um, so you have created like these five pillars around first foods for babies. Can you kind of walk us through them? Yes. Um,
1: so yeah, these five pillars are just like things to remember, and when you're feeding your baby, and it's just um, the first one is wait until they're ready. So I actually have a post on my blog that outlines all of this, but um, there's some signs for readiness that you're looking for when you're deciding whether or not you're going to introduce food to your baby. So um, you want your baby to be about six months old, which is kind of going against like what our parents did or maybe even what your pediatrician has told you. Um, But six months from due date is typically what you're looking for. Um, And then the second is just like baby being ear at mealtime. You know, maybe you're handing them a spoon or a carrot or something while you're eating or cooking and they're just really into it or they're watching you or mimicking you. Bring your spoon to your mouth. Um, those kind of things are good to look for. Um, another thing is like that, like finger p- dexterity and the pincher grasp, p- uh, baby being able to pick up something between like fingers and thumb. It's not required for them to like have that skill mastered, but kind of practicing that is a good thing to look for. Um, the tongue thrust reflux. So babies have this reflux that um, prior to being around six months, they have this natural inclination to spit anything out that comes into their mouth, which is, you know, valuable in a lot of ways. Um, and you're, you want to see that start to taper off, um, which means they're um, getting ready to eat solid foods. And then the last, and I, I always mention this one last, cause in my experience, it's often the last to show up, but, um, being able to sit unsupported, um, for like a short duration of time is really helpful. Um, it can indicate, a, like digestive development and it's just really great sign to look for. So if your baby isn't um, meeting all of those signs, like, and you guys are breastfeeding or formula feeding and everyone is content, like I often just remind parents, like, it's going to add one more thing for you to do to start this and, you know, hand your baby a spoon or a whisk or something while you're cooking. And there's still ways to make mealtime fun with them prior to six months. But that is pillar number one.
0: I so. love that. Can you just talk a little bit more about that, like that time frame? Um, there was, there's a saying that goes around that's like food before one is just for fun. And that was actually one of our, our listener questions. And like, we mm-hmm. definitely got the information that it was like between four to six months, go for it. And like our daughter mm-hmm. was showing like a lot of signs for readiness around five months. And so we mm-hmm.
1: just
0: like, again, it was totally fun. The amount of egg yolk she actually consumed. Yes very, very little, right? It's mostly just play. Um, can you talk a little bit more about why that time, that timing is important?
1: Yeah. So the food before one is just for fun. It kind of, I think the saying was to take the stress off of parents, you know, obviously they're not going to get a significant source of calories from that, they're going to mostly get it all over their face before they ingest. And, um, the four to six months is like a guideline. I feel like a lot of babies are having well-child appointments right at four months. So pediatricians are prepping to like, look for these things. Um, but like Edith, like some babies are like super overachievers and, you know, are ready before others. Both of my kids were like, well, after six months before I felt like they were ready um but yeah I think just having that like window of time and then not being so married to the number because like we know like my sisters had a baby that was walking at 10 months and my daughter did not walk till she was 17 months old so there's so much variability with our babies just like there is with us and that's okay you know And that's why having those like things to look for and it's really helpful
0: I think that's such, such a good reminder. Like kids develop at their own pace. And if you aren't seeing these markers, like right at six months or, you know, whenever that time frame feels like they quote unquote should be doing that, that they could be working on other developmental skills. And as long as totally. they're like growing and healthy and happy and everything is working for your family, then it's fine. We don't have to, my mom always says like, if it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs>
1: Totally. Well, and also if your baby's showing a lot of these signs and is five months old, like try it. You could always like, you don't have to, you're not married to it. Then once you do, you could skip a week and you know, if you work long hours and you want to be the one introducing rather than your childcare, like do it a weekend and then do it the following weekend. Like your baby is still getting enough food. So.
0: Yay. I love that. What's your next pillar? next pillar is to follow your baby's lead. So
1: yeah, Uh, responsive feeding refers to responding to baby's cues of both hunger and satiety. So uh, babies, you know, when they're older, you think of like the sign language of I'm more and all done, but babies can show like little cues like lip smacking or reaching for things. And um, those can be really helpful to make sure that your baby's um, is involved in the feeding and that you're not, like, overriding their natural, like, satiety cues. Um, one thing to note about this is I don't recommend initially starting solids when your baby's hungry. Usually timing it between a feed when your baby is rested and awake and happy is a good idea, just because they're not gonna get a lot of calories from this little introduction. Um, but eventually, like, you want to offer your baby food when they're hungry and let them tell you when they're full. Um, and I think in the era of, like, processed foods and, like, even baby food jars, you, like, see this, like, little bit left in the jar of this, like, expensive thing. You, you're you like, oh, let's just finish this. And you want to, like, airplane it in. But babies are, like, so good at regulating their own bodies and what they need. And I think part of our job as parents is just to offer great healthy choices and let them decide how much and what they're going to eat. So we can even trust our babies with that, which is so
0: incredible. That is really cool. And I love, I, that's one of my favorite things is, is really being able to trust their intuition and like their judgment of their bodies. Cause it's so, it's so well ingrained and it's really such a good opportunity to establish like healthy eating habits and foster this really positive relationship with food from mm-hmm. early on when it doesn't become like, no, you have to finish this. But yeah. that can be really hard from like not putting your own food shit on their plate, right? Like your own oh, stressful so hard relationship. Hard do. Yeah. Do you have mm-hmm. any, um, this is actually, I'm jumping ahead. This is one of our listener questions. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like how to really cultivate that positive relationship with food without. Yeah. This is death?
1: something that's like hard for my husband and I, because neither of us grew up like eating what quote unquote healthfully, um, so you know, prior to having a baby, we always had like half of our plate vegetables every night, and that was important to us. Well, at a certain age, my daughter decided she didn't like vegetables, and like forcing them on her felt like something that we should be doing as parents, but um, turns out you don't have to take that approach. Um, there are different things that you can make sure that you're doing, like modeling, um eating your vegetables, enjoying them in a healthy way for them. Like particularly during like 14 to 20 months, like babies very much want to imitate us. And so if you're sneaking chocolate, your baby's probably going to want to like, you know, sneak chocolate or eat, you know, pizza or whatever you're doing. But um, I think modeling those things can be really helpful. Um, Making sure the food you're offering your baby tastes good is important. Like try it, you know, like I always cook like vegetables for my kids in, um, a healthy source of fat because it makes it taste good and it makes, you know, nutrients more available and, um, bland food, isn't good? And sometimes babies, you know, agree with you. So, so novel, but, um, other things like to foster, like a good relationship with food. Like we never, we try not to use food as a bribe. We kind of teetered on the edge in the potty training years, but, um, or like, the ultimatum like finish this or you won't get to that or that kind of thing like often puts a lot of pressure on kids and you can even do it kind of without thinking about it with young kids by you know kind of either spoon feeding after a meal or topping off with a pouch if you're worried they're not going to sleep well or that kind of thing so
0: it's really like encouraging that kind of disconnect or or Mm -hmm. even with the the food it's it's setting up the standard that like oh, this food isn't good, but this one is the treat, right? Totally. totally. Yeah. That, that's I, always like, a tricky one.
1: On this, or if I behave in this way, then I'll get this. And right. just thinking about this is like what is nourishing their bodies and helping them grow. Like, I don't know. it's It can be tricky to To kind of mesh those two things together, I I will tell my daughter, oh, this has is a great source of protein, or look how green this is, like Mm -hmm. how many like nutrients must be there, or we do encourage like tasting and asking her what it tastes like, or you know the typical like let's chomp these carrots and see who can make the loudest crunch, like we do stuff (laughs) like that for sure. Totally. Yeah.
0: Oh, I love that. (laughs) Make things fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: food doesn't have to be so serious, right? We can no. enjoy our meals.
1: <laughs> we have my husband and my daughter both have a high silliness factor, so meal times <laughs> in our house can be a little crazy sometimes.
0: So, how do you? How does one rate a silliness factor? <laughs>
1: no. Well, I'm. I think I'm just not the silliest person. I sometimes wish I was like more lighthearted. I often overthink everything and tendency towards being anxious. And they're just like everything's a joke to them, which. I think it's good for me to be around. But, sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. So first two pillars linked like signs for readiness, and then let baby let let baby let baby let baby lead, and then what's the next one?
1: Okay, the next one is focus on nutrient density, and this is kind of the other side of the coin when you say the food before one is just for fun. I mean, it's it's a good little. Um reminder to take the pressure off, but there are some nutrients that babies do need in that like second half of their first year um primarily iron and zinc um so babies need it's something like nine times more iron than an adult male, so and sometimes the like iron uh in breast milk or will start to taper off um and babies will need more at that time. Typically, at the six-month well child, they'll test, do a little finger prick test for that kind of thing. Um, But this is why um, rice cereal was put on the market, is because it was something that they could easily fortify with with iron. Um, I personally chose not to introduce rice cereal to my kids. There are some pros and cons of rice cereal, but we opted for um, uh, more available sources of iron. So heme iron is found in meat and it's absorbed easier and um, a little easier on the gut as well. Um, I know for me, like fortified grains can often be constipating and I was kind of worried about that effect on my kids too. Um, My midwife kind of joked that it was like the kind of, it came out like how it goes in, like a little gluey. Um, so I was like, Oh, I don't know if I want to go there. Um, (laughs) but me also is like packaged with zinc and B12 and B6 and vitamin A and a lot of other great, um, nutrients that work synergistically that are important for baby's growth. Um, I definitely do have clients that are vegan and vegetarian, and I'm open to working with those clients. It takes a little bit more effort, but, um, we focus primarily on, um, meat or broth or egg yolks as, um, really nutrient dense options, um, for kids. Uh, I also mentioned earlier veggies cooked in fat are a great option, whether it's olive oil or ghee. Uh, My kids love, um, broccoli still to this day. We roast it up with some healthy oils and my son even will like hold it up to his mouth and like suck the fat out of it before he eats it, which is really appetizing. Um, (laughs)
0: My daughter will eat butter like straight. Like if you handed oh. her a stick of butter, she would totally just devour it.
1: Yeah. We had to stop keeping it like in the dish <laughs> on the table because it was just like all my three-year-old could think about was like butter, butter. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, kids, I mean, breast milk or even formula is such a high fat content and that's what their little growing bodies like need so much of that. And that was always one thing when I was first feeding my daughter that surprised me about packaged baby food was that they're completely void of fat, which is so helpful for their development, but also for, um, nutrient absorption and, and all that. So like all those
0: yummy vitamins that you have in there, you can't use them. Right. body can't use them without fat.
1: Yeah. So I, I would definitely not be afraid of of fat in baby food. I think a lot of us grew up in the 80s and 90s where there was like the fat phobia. Um, And let's just like, we're not gonna necessarily go there on this podcast, but fat, eating fat does not make you fat. So um, it's not gonna make your baby unhealthy. Um, I would just recommend choosing healthy sorts of fat, like olive oil that is um, extra virgin and cold pressed over canola oil or something like that would be a good choice, so. Uh, also like fish is great for babies. They need DHA for their developing brain. So, um, I've given both my kids sardines. Uh, my sister and mom think that that's disgusting, but that they like it. I like it. Yeah, um, famine is also a hit in our house. So yeah, there's a lot of great options when you're trying to include nutrient density in your diet, your baby's diet. Um, this is also like such a great option, opportunity for you to clean up your diet because If you're eating these things, then you don't have to cook two different things for you and your baby, and you might have more energy in this season of motherhood if you're nourishing your body well. So, definite advocate for
0: that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the biggest things that like we weren't sure. We never stuck to like we're gonna do baby led weaning or we're gonna do like this thing. It was just I was like I'm not cooking two dinners, and that's like been the thing that we we still do like
1: you eat it the
0: other night. She's like, I want pork steak, which is what she calls like a pork chop. And I was like, oh, we're having, we're having chicken tonight and (laughs) I don't want to eat that. And I was like, that's fine. But that's like, that's what we're having. That's what we're having. So Mm -hmm. here we go. And I'll always cook something that I know she'll enjoy and that she likes. So like that happened to be like sweet potato and butter, like again, emphasis on the butter. Butter. Yeah. Um, And of course she ended up eating the chicken, but there's never any pressure, but it also takes a lot of the pressure off of me. Like I don't have to, cook a second meal or we aren't spending money on like other convenience foods. And you know what, sometimes I, I get it that like, that is what works, but I feel like the is thing that we were really gung-ho about making for work for our family was that I didn't want to cook twice. Like I just, yeah. what well, if you start off it.
1: that way, like with babies and you won't necessarily like you could avoid getting in that position. I know some families whose kids will only eat chicken nuggets as of now, which is going to be like a longer like food chaining process to getting them to eat pork steak, you know, but, um, yeah. Pork steak. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're going to call it pork steak from now on, aren't you? <laughs>
1: Definitely am, Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: That's awesome. Okay. So nutrient density. And then what's the next pillar?
1: Okay. One more thing about nutrient. Oh, density. Oh, I'm sorry. No worries. Uh, like the store-bought pouches. I'm going to give this caveat that I have some in my fridge right now. Um, yes, because you're a human, we live in such like a busy time. Like I'm a work from home mom with two kids. Like, you know, we don't make everything from scratch at my house, but, um, I just a little insight on like how these, I know some people that are like, oh well, these have all these different fruits and vegetables in them. That's much better than I can do at home with my home cooking. Um, well, the truth is, is like these pouches started off as like pulps from these different fruits that are sold as like an individual pulp, like apple or carrot. And then the company, I won't like name drop any companies right now, but they buy that pulp and then blend it for their formulations, and then they process it again. So a lot of those nutrients that were in that apple or that carrot have been like high heat pasteurized two or three times and no longer have that same nutrient value. There are companies like my serenity kids and once upon a farm that are doing things better. But once again, that's going to cost you a little bit more money to do. And some of those things you can do at home, like homemade applesauce. I have a super easy instant recipe on my website and we just put that in like little silicone pouches at home and another easy thing that maybe requires an extra step. But just the caveat that I do give my kids pouches, but they're not healthier than cooking yourself.
0: Yes. Yes. And I love the MyCerenity kids pouches, actually. They're really? awesome. Because they, she really focuses the, the family behind it. Like they focus on Again like we were talking about earlier having like healthy sources of fats and protein. Mm-hmm. So I think some of hers are like bacon and I don't remember like what all the sweet potato
1: like pouch yes. puree and they oh, yes they actually so good. taste good. <laughs> My son is obsessed with like the roots blend mm-hmm. and he can't have dairy and his sister will sometimes have like homemade mac and cheese and I'll just like Straight up, squeeze that pouch over some noodles, and he like thinks he's eating mac and cheese. He's
0: having the best day of his life right there. So yep.
1: good. Okay, pillar number four is shake things up. So variety is super important in the first six months of life. Um, the parent job is to introduce the baby to like a wide variety of healthy foods prepared in a way that's self- healthy and safe for them. So um, it's interesting. Like, so I've had parents either at a mom group or just the park or whatever talk about, oh, my kid would never eat that. Like you're so lucky. And sometimes they're comparing kids that are completely different age groups. Um, which is of all like comparison, total thief of joy. But I it's it's dangerous to compare, like even my two kids right now, I mentioned like, oh, this one eats more than the other. It's just kind of a funny thing. But they're in totally different stages of development. My son is almost thirteen months old, which means in a couple months he might like have more food preferences than he has shown in the last um, few months. So in the first like developmental stage, which the window is like six months to 14 months, kids are like so willing to try anything. It's amazing. Like there's like moms like beaming like, Oh, my kid ate liver or, you know, whatever. And, um, and that's awesome. That's so great. And like exposing your baby to those things are so great for their palate and being able to recognize vegetables at that age and be willing to eat them is a huge accomplishment. Um, but that might not necessarily last. Um, I will say that babies that age are like programmed to like sweet things. So do you have to work hard to get your baby to eat a banana? Probably not. Like, are you going to expose more bitter vegetables a few times to really incorporate that into his or her palate? Yeah. I think you might need to do that, but, um, All that to say, if your baby starts rejecting something around 14 months, it's nothing necessarily that you did or prepared it weird that time, or it might just require some more consistency and just knowledge that, okay, this is a phase and we're going to like keep, we're not going to like switch to chicken nuggets now. We're just going to keep plugging away and um, continue making meals safe and fun and family atmosphere and eat the same things together and you will come out the other side. So,
0: Isn't that – isn't it, like, a developmental thing or, like, an evolutionary thing? Because, like, that's at the point where they're starting to move around more, crawl more, they can get things into their mouth, and so –
1: Yeah, if you think about, like, a little primal baby crawling around, like, around that age, like, mom's finally like, oh, good, you're fine not being attached to me all the time. (laughs) You don't want that kid, like, eating all kinds of weird stuff. So, yeah.
0: So, like, the the bitterness – Yeah. They're more skeptical and like the bitterness totally could be like a bitter green that could have, I don't know, caused them to grow weird things on their face or something, you know, like,
1: (laughs) that'd be terrible. Um, (laughs) but that they refer to that as like the neophobic response and the like peak of that is at 20 months old. So that's often when I'll get like an email from a desperate mom saying like, help me. Um, and there are definitely things that you can do and you can email me that if you'd like. Um, and we'll totally work through it, but, um, there is a light at the other side too. If you just continue with consistency and offering healthy choices to your kids. So
0: yeah. And wouldn't it go back to like also making sure like the food tastes good. Right. So
1: yeah, like, yeah try it like, Oh yeah, this is, mom doesn't like this either. Or, right. Yeah.
0: Like cooking yeah. it and lots of butter and some, a little bit of salt. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> making or it Or playing
1: like a game of like how many, you know, finger paint a rainbow and put it on the fridge and try to eat like every color from the rainbow that week or like there you go like that you know there's a lot of ways that we can get involved with our kids or um if they're a little bit older getting them in the kitchen you do such a great job of this liz i love (laughs) Edith flipping her eggs i'm like oh that's so great we have such a good time uh, with it (laughs) yeah super fun ingrid loves to bake so we just made banana bread the other day. It was super fun. so That's
0: awesome. Well, there's. I feel like they're so much more likely to try something if they've had, like, a hand in making it. Like the the okay. amount of pride that Edith has when she's like, "I made these mushrooms." Like we sautéed mushrooms together last okay. night, and she's like, "I'm gonna eat these." It's like, yeah, you are. Oh, yeah,
1: that's great. So. Well, and that enthusiasm will trickle down for sure. Like when Ingrid is like so amped to try something, my son is too. So. Um, You're just setting the stage for that too, which is great. The other piece, and we're not currently doing this because we moved recently, but is growing your own food. Um, Even if it's at a community garden or like a pot in your balcony of your apartment or whatever, like kids growing their own vegetables and and fruit is an awesome way to make them super proud and willing to eat them too.
0: That's a really good point. I love that. We're excited to get Edie involved in the garden this year. We didn't really do one last year, so... That will be really fun to see.
1: Yeah, it'll be fun.
0: Yay. What's your last pillar? Is that right? Did I count them right?
1: Yes, you did. Oh, one more thing on the shake things up is to use spices in cooking. Um, ah. I got this cookbook when I, when Wells was a baby called Spice Spice Baby. Um, it'll be in my Amazon shop, but um, she's just really great at like incorporating, oh, like turmeric or curry spice or things like that. Um, I would definitely encourage you to use the spices, flavorings, types of food, your family enjoys to eat and kind of prime your baby or toddler to like those foods so they can participate in meals with you. Um, Things like turmeric and ginger are also super anti-inflammatory and can be helpful for babies um, and just expands their palate to be open to those things. Your kid doesn't have to eat off the kid menu all the time, everywhere you go, they might, you know, my daughter loves when we order curry from this Thai place up the street, and um, yeah, it's just fun to to shake things up that way too. Okay, fifth pillar is to trust your intuition and have fun. And we talked about the fun piece already a little bit, um, like, but the intuition piece is so we it's really important to educate yourself to a certain extent about allergens and. Um, intolerances and like the right way to cut vegetables and serve them if you're um, taking the baby led weaning route. Um, But there's also some things that you're just going to have to get to know your baby and their preferences and like, oh, I, you know, you don't love avocado, but we're going to keep offering it and you might change your mind. Or maybe we offered you avocado and strawberries and now you're having histamine response and your pediatrician maybe thinks it's not a big deal, but we're going to kind of avoid it and try again a little later, like those kind of things. Like when a mom comes to me saying, I think this is happening. I usually listen because that mom is so in, in tune with their babies, like every need, every cry. Um, I think that that holds a lot of weight. And so, I wouldn't second guess yourself. I'd find practitioners who are willing to listen to you. Um, I have like an option for like just email support for like 25 bucks and we can chat and like make sure you feel good about everything. I love doing that and meeting people and hearing their stories. So whether it's like allergens or choking or something else that is like super scary to you, I would definitely like do your due diligence with research but then trust your mama who knows best because I think there's a lot of truth in it, so.
0: I love that. It's like, it's so empowering because you have all of these like signs, all these pillars and it can be like, you've broken them down so well and it's like such a nice, like, I don't mean this as a pun, but like easy thing to digest, Um, (laughs) but it is. And then I love that you're ending with this, like just trust your gut, right? Like trust your intuition because at the end of the day, like, yeah, you are the one that knows your kid best because you're the one that's spending 24 seven with them or whatever that, you know, relationship looks like far more than like a practitioner that you see, you know, at a wellness check every four months might, you know, and they have that expertise and they can be a great tool, but it doesn't mean that they're going to know exactly what's best. Yeah. That's so fascinating. We have one listener question that you, you checked off so many of our listener questions with all of these pillars. I'm so glad we started with those. Um, but one of the things that um, I have a couple parents, and I know I experienced this too, is how to navigate other people who feed your kid who have different opinions.
1: Yeah. So. Okay. Well, the one I hear the most is like, oh, I've decided to do baby-led weaning, but my mom, mother-in-law, nanny Annie is like nervous about the gagging, choking, whatever. Um, and one thing that I will say is like, I've always kind of done like a combination approach with my kids between like some homemade purees or applesauce or something like that, um, alongside maybe lead weaning, you can do that in a super tactical way by like letting them smear it across the high high chair tray or, um, putting it on a loaded spoon. But I, I would try to find like the parameters that maybe that childcare provider or family member is uncomfortable with, and then be willing to work your plan kind of, and make a compromise. So for me, like I don't want my mom feeding my kids sugar or processed foods. And that's kind of my hard line in the sand. But when they're babies, like I'm all for her serving them primarily purees because that's what she's comfortable with. Um, I'll usually provide them for her, um, that kind of thing. Uh, or when I, if I went out of town, I've only left my kids like once, but, um, when I did, I had a detailed list of every meal while I was gone did she think I was crazy? Probably, but that's what made me feel comfortable. And, um, and then also just like reminding myself that, oh, you know, she raised me, my mother-in-law raised my husband and they're doing the best with what they know, you know? And so sometimes offering education in like a non-judgy way, um, is helpful too. Like, oh, isn't this crazy? I just learned this like from my friend Liz or from my friend Emily. And, I think we should try it. And this is the way that I feel comfortable feeding my baby for these reasons. You know, I feel like giving a reason rather than just like combating our parents' experiences can be helpful. Cause I feel like sometimes they're just coming from a place of, you know, insecurity of, Oh, well, this is what we did with you. And you slept on your tummy and you breathed fine. You know, like you made thing. it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And actually my, my mother-in-law was on the phone with us last night and she said, just you wait if Edith chooses to have kids, like everything that you think that you know is right now is going to change by the time that she has kids. Oh, and totally. I, I'm sure that's true, but it's because we're going to keep learning, right? And I want to keep learning and processing all of that. And like, yeah, like when we were kids, yeah, rice, it was rice cereal. It was mm-hmm. rice cereal and formula. was yeah, like
1: three months old, I think. It was crazy. Yeah,
0: because yeah. science. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, and the
1: other like thing is I think that allergen research is pretty like premature. Like I didn't go over it in depth on this podcast because I feel like that could be a whole other podcast of introducing allergens and why food allergies are on the rise. But um, I think the research on that is like still in its infancy and it's very different from when we were kids. Um, Yet, you know, obviously food allergies are far more prevalent when then when we were younger um and there's a lot of different components to that but it's just another example that like things are always changing and you know I hope to be a lifelong learner and let my daughter educate me on these things and um I think just r- reminding yourself to communicate that with the same kindness that you want to hear it with <laughs> 30 years down the line <laughs> right yeah
0: mom you were so wrong
1: <laughs> yeah well and also like fostering that like desire to learn in your kids, you know, whether it's sure. in the garden or talking about, you know, why we filter our water or all of those things with our kids is, it's like a big responsibility, but honestly, just like a huge privilege too. like being a mom is like such a privilege in my life. And it's so humbling, but like also so much fun and such a great learning opportunity every day. So
0: I love this so much. Um, will you, you have put together this, these five pillars make up um, your program. Can you talk a little bit more about that and where people could learn more about it?
1: Yeah. So I would love to just get this information out for any like moms that are in this phase and just either in either camp of just like questioning or if not, not sure what to do. Um, so I'm releasing my program, uh, this summer, um, June 1st is the hopeful launch date. Um, so I would love to any listeners who who are interested in that or have friends who are pregnant or have little babies, or just want to know more about that. You can join my newsletter, which is on my website. Um, I don't send emails all the time. (laughs) You will get um, a teaser for when that's available, as well as a discount code. So um, i would I would love if you guys were wanting to support me that way. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to share that info and put it out into the world.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely link to that in the show notes so people can sign up for your newsletter super easily. So you can just head over to the show notes in the description of this podcast episode or you can go over to it's sure it's easily accessible on your website too. Yeah. -hmm. yeah. So village nutrition com. We'll link to that too. That's so exciting. And then you have put together um, an Amazon, like shop with all of your favorite resources. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think
1: just because this is like an area where parents are so worried about, Oh, make sure I'm doing it right. Like obviously our consumer society, there's going to be companies are trying to like take advantage of that and So there's so many baby products out there, like for feeding or um what every possible parent. I just put together an Amazon shop of just my tried and true favorite things um for kids and babies in the kitchen when I'm cooking or when I'm serving meals to them. Um they're primarily plastic free just because Um, trying to reduce those toxin exposures to babies is important too. Um, and just a little note, like anything that I make based on that Amazon shop is, goes directly towards me being able to offer free classes to low-income families here in Portland, um, learning more about how to feed their families on a budget and just in general. So I would love if you want to support me in that too. Um, I will also say if you have an awesome local shop that sells a similar item to support them because I know Amazon is a big thing, and uh, I love to shop local when I can too. So I encourage you to do that too.
0: Yes, I love that so much. I think those free classes can be so impactful. I mean, and just like this podcast, like this is gonna help so many of our listeners out and kind of really ease the this transition like, Motherhood is just, or parenting in general, is just full. It's like one transition after the other. You feel like you kind of get your feet under you, and then it's a new thing. You're like, wait, now we have to feed them something else. We just figured out breastfeeding. What is this? Uh, I know. We just got them to take a bottle.
1: (laughs) I just like synced my kids' nap, and now my daughter does not nap anymore.
0: Oh, perfect. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's always changing. Yeah.
0: Oh, goodness. Emily, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I just really appreciate this conversation and having you here and sharing all this awesome information.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Liz. It's been really fun. And any listeners who want to say hi on social media, I love making friends virtually, like I met Liz. So come say hi.
0: Can you remind people where they can find you on the social media?
1: Yeah. On Instagram, I am Village Nutrition Co., Um, And that's the place that I'm on most often. But I also have a little Facebook page that's starting up. So
0: you can find me there too. Awesome. We'll link to those again in the show notes. Thank you again so much, Emily. I really appreciate you.
1: Yeah, thanks, Liz. Have a good one.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Beyond Birth Podcast. If you love what you're hearing, we'd be so thrilled if you'd subscribe, rate, and leave a review for our podcast wherever you enjoy listening. Until next time.